0: Welcome to Your Divorce Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified divorce coach, event expert, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that with a powerful planning partner, you will heal the heartbreak and move forward faster. Without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We are starting a new series, today called Divorce Diaries. And so I'm excited to bring our very first guest of the series today. We have Miss Jen Jenkins. She's a financial advisor with Bluestone Wealth Partners in Columbus, Ohio. She works exclusively with women in business, including business owners, executives, and working moms. Her career goal is to create a community of financially confident and empowered women who can achieve financial freedom and live their best lives. She has two teenage daughters and a golden retriever. That she jokes is her favorite child. Her favorite hobbies include traveling to new places, running, tennis, yoga, Pilates, reading, and paint by numbers, a fun, stress relieving activity that she picked up during the pandemic. Welcome to the show, Jen.
1: Hi, thank you.
0: We're so glad to have you here. And I commend you because I kind of caught you off guard when I drummed up this idea of, of the Divorce Diary series. And I was like, Jen, you are the first person that I want to have on here. And you didn't even blink. You're like, that sounds great. I would love to come on. So thank you for being willing to come on, be vulnerable and share so many different things that this series is going to bring to folks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love this idea. I love what you're doing. As soon as you told me like you're a divorce planner and you help divorce women, my first thought, and I've told you this, is... I wish I had had someone like you. I wish. So you know, if this helps anyone. Then I'm happy to do it. I have that you have to make a confession. I, you know, when you first asked me, i was like, oh yeah, and then I did start to have some anxiety about it. You know, my my ex, is, we'll get into it, but he he did like threaten me for many years, and so I my worry is that he'll find this and it'll start again. So, but you know, it's okay he's pretty Mm. much
0: cut off. So we'll be okay. I think. Just honoring your courage. And just, I love your perspective of if this helps somebody, it's really important. And, you know, for all of our guests, it's really about being as vague or specific as you want when we get into sharing your stories and some of this stuff. So you can feel safe in this space knowing that if something comes up that you're not willing to share or it's okay to not go in deep. I think a lot of people will be be able to relate to just kind of the nuances of the things that you've been through too. So welcome to the show. This episode is all about hosting real, unfiltered conversations with women who have been through heartbreak and heartache through divorce and who have spent time healing through it as you have. And in essence, creating their comeback because I know we'll get into it, but your life looks very much different, very, very different now (laughs) than it did when you were going through all of this. And sometimes it's hard for us to remember that it will and can look drastically different. You can reclaim your joy. You can create your comeback and you are so responsible for that process. So this is really a series of hope and inspiration, tips and truth to help others that are on this journey know that all their feelings are valid and that there is so much more in this next chapter, if you choose to heal. So that's what we're going to dive into today. So without further ado, we are going to open up every single series the same way. We're going to ask everybody the same questions because everyone's experiences are different and unique and everyone's answers can be very different and unique. And I want divorced women out there to feel the breadth and depth of how so many of the same questions and experiences can be vastly different. And yet they can all be normalized because I think society tries to put us all in this bundle of mm-hmm. what divorce is and what it looks like and what it feels like and what it experiences. And the reality is it is so different for everyone. So let's start, Jen, with your divorce story. Share as a little or as much as vague or specific as you feel comfortable sharing today.
1: Well, here we go. Hopefully, this doesn't take the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Yeah. So, I met my ex husband at work. I was young, you know, I was fresh out of college, and we, that's how we met. We got together again. I was like 23, 24. Um, I, he was in a relationship prior to me, he was not married, but they had a daughter. And so she was like five or six, I think, when I met her. And then the mother of his daughter also had a son who was a little older. And, you know, he, he wasn't like, he didn't never adopted him, but he was a big part of our lives too. So I loved that he was a dad, like he, you know, he was very involved, especially with his daughter, the kids came over all the time. And I loved that about him. And I thought, you know, this is somebody that I could have a family with. So fast forward, we do end up having two daughters of our own. And, you know, after I had my second is when sort of things started unraveling. He was acting very just different. I don't really know how to pinpoint it, except that it was very sort of erratic. He was not sleeping that well. He was like not going to work or he would say he wasn't feeling well and I honestly thought like maybe he was depressed or something like that was going on. He does have like a history of depression, his family. And so I thought maybe it was something like that. And I tried to get him to see someone. And it just eventually got much worse to the point where he actually got fired from his job because he wasn't showing up. And he didn't tell me about that. I just came home from work early one day and there he was. And then he started accusing me of having affairs. And uh, when I tell you that it was like wild accusations, like neighbors, all of our neighbors, any male coworker that I ever mentioned, friends, I mean, he, he emailed my best friend and told her that I was cheating on him. He told my parents that I was cheating on him. He kept saying that he had videos of me cheating on him, which I was like, let's see them because I'm not. yeah. I was like, "Okay." And then he would like pull up some video and it was just static and I was like, "Are we ever going to get to the part where I'm having the affair because I'd love to see this? He tore up my clothes and had them tested for semen." Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. It got really bad. He threatened to contact my employer to tell them that I was having affairs with like the VP and things like that. I was he also accused me of having sex for money of doing pornography with animals, it got crazy, Heidi, like it was wild. And I was like, Oh my God, like something snapped in his brain. And I moved out. I mean, it was it was getting dangerous. I had to call the cops a few times. He didn't physically hurt me, but it came close. Like we were painting and we had like these little test King cans of paint. And he threw one and it came close to hitting me, left a huge dent in the wall. He spit on me one time. Like I, so it was just, it was getting dangerous. And he had never been physically or emotionally abusive to me prior to that. Mm. So I literally thought something's wrong. Like something, like he's schizophrenic, something happened.
0: Yeah, to go uh, from like such a drastic side of like, this is the person that I married and this I don't even know who this person is. That's just also, I mean, not only feel dangerous and scary and confusing, but must have felt conflicting to kind of have maybe worry about this person that you're not recognizing the person in front of you anymore.
1: Yeah. And at first, that's exactly what it was. I was more worried about him than anything else because I was just like, I don't like, this is not who you are. This is not who I've known for the last, you know, five years. I, like, I can't figure this out. And his family lives in Michigan. We were in Columbus. So it was very hard to, like, get them to be involved because they were older and, you know, it just, they couldn't come down a lot. So I did move out. And for about a year, you know, we just, I just wanted him to, like, get help. And, You know, he was telling me he was getting help. I didn't really know if he was or not. Eventually, I moved back home because I I did think it was a mental disorder. And I wanted to help him. And I wanted this to work out so badly. So I did move back home. But things did not get better. They got Mm -hmm. much worse. And eventually, I left and filed for divorce. So it was scary. And then after I moved out the second time, he really became unhinged. He started texting me all hours of the day and night like i would wake up and have dozens of text messages and emails from him all night long all during the day so he wasn't sleeping and they were you know just horrible things to hear about yourself you know Mm -hmm. like he was telling me that i was sick that i needed help that i was bipolar that um He, you know, he would take me back if I went and got help, if I admitted that I was having these affairs. I mean, you know, it got to the point where sometimes I would respond, sometimes I wouldn't. For the most part, I just wouldn't. But sometimes he would say things like that were kind of normal or about the kids. And so I would respond and then he would just lash out at me, like long paragraphs about what a terrible mother I was and a terrible wife and just a horrible human being in general. It was very upsetting, particularly, the worst part for me was he took things, you know, this is the person you trust more than anyone in the world that you love that you think would never hurt you. And you know, I told him things that weren't necessarily like bad, but like concerns that I had, and um the two that stick out the most was, I have a very rough relationship with my mom. She came here from Vietnam over war I can't imagine what she went through but she she's not the best mom like she just can't be and we don't have a good relationship because she doesn't really know how and before I had kids that was my fear right like am I going to be a mother like her mm. and I told him that like you know when I got pregnant I I would cry and be like I, I don't know if I can do this what if I end up like my mom and like what if I'm just you know not good to my kids and you know she she was emotionally abusive for sure mm-hmm. and i did not want to carry that on and that was a big fear for me before i had a child so this was me during my pregnancy your hormones are all over the place and i would cry and say these things and then the second thing that i told him that um, he turned and used against me was i had a a grandmother on my father's side that I was very close to who passed away when I was 16. And the morning that she died, I had this very strong urge to call her, which was not normal. I didn't usually Mm. call her in the mornings. I had this like gut instinct that I needed to call her. And instead I brushed it off and I was like, you have to go to tennis, call her when you get home, it'll be fine. And she passed away that morning. And I had a lot of guilt about that, even though you know, the odds of me is that I would have been able to do anything about it. You know, your head and your heart don't necessarily match all the time. Yeah. But I have guilt about it. I still have guilt about it. And he literally told me I killed my grandmother. He told me Ugh. that I was like my mom, that I was exactly like her, that I was emotionally abusive to him and to our children. And even though you know in your, you know in your brain that's not true, you know, it's still it's hard to have somebody that you love so much say these things to you. It was, it was very hard. I mean, luckily, you know, I have a sister who was like, I know, like he doesn't even know what our mom is like. (laughs) She was like, you're nothing like that. Like, don't worry. But you still, it still triggers something. Like I was still worried about it.
0: You can Um, tell when someone is feeling extreme desperation in situations that they realize they have zero control over because it's a very manipulative idea. Perhaps for some folks, it is unconscious, but for some, it is very conscious decision to try to manipulate, to try to control in moments of despair and pain. Yeah. And it make does not make it okay at all. But we see the projection happening onto someone who has realized that they do not deserve that kind of treatment. And so the other party will go to the depths, to yeah. the depths to try to make things appear so difficult and be so difficult for someone else so that they can either justify it, right? They'll Mm -hmm. lie. They'll be deceitful. They'll try to justify it to people around them that they think that they can still manipulate and control, make it appear different to other parties in in the circle, whether that be their parents or their friends or whoever they can get to attach onto their story. And then even try to make you believe that this, this is your fault and place blame and place shame and place guilt and all these things. That's why we see so many women, and I'm really feeling called to, to call this out. It's important that you're sharing your story today because that you see a lot of women in situations that are uncomfortable or even very dangerous, not mm-hmm. feel like they can do anything. And you even mentioned to me when we uh, first met and you shared a bit of your story that it was like, It was such an uphill battle to even to get the court system to believe some of the things that were happening in your story, in your life with your kids and beyond. And we don't have to share those things, but just anyone listening, knowing that if you're fighting that uphill battle, don't stop know your truth, know what's going on, hold on to it. And don't let the manipulation or fear seep in when you know exactly what is happening on your side of things.
1: Yeah, I mean, women are, we get gaslit all the time. It's constant. And you know, back then, this was, you know, 10 years ago, but back then, that wasn't really a buzzword. Like, right. So I didn't I mean, I knew what he was doing and he w- you're right. It was about control. And he, you know, for him, it was about, you're not a good person. I'm the one that will put up with you kind of. Yes. Like. And because he kept being like, I'll take you back. I'll take you back. And I got to the point where I finally emailed him back. And I was like, no one asked you to take me back. I left you. I haven't asked you to take me back. And I'm not going yes. to. He didn't stop, but he stopped. I think for that day or something. I don't. Know. But it was it was wild. Um, it, it makes me think
0: that you know, in that in those situations, that person thinks if I can just continue to wear them down, yeah, then I'll get what I want. I sympathize with so many women who just continue to be broken down, broken down, broken down, broken down. Where it's like it already takes so much energy to move through divorce, no matter what circumstance you're in, but then layer in these elements of someone on the other side of the tracks, just trying intentionally to drag you down even further. And it's just unnecessary.
1: It is. It is unnecessary. And it's hard, you know, not to fall into the trap. And it's hard not to respond back, right? You know, I originally wanted to block him, but I had he had threatened me so many times, not just like that way, but like physically. He, you know, I was nervous for a long time that he was going to show up and kill us all. Uh-huh. Uh, I really was, and um, so I had called the cops, and you know, they can't do anything until it's done, right? So, but they told me, like, you know, don't block him. You have to keep all of this for court, like, keep it for your court documents. And so I just had to wake up every day to, you know, dozens and dozens of messages, which is not a good way to start any day, let alone every day for months. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: that's, that's just too much. That's too it, much.
1: It was, but you know, it I, they did give me good advice. I mean, I think now, if I could go back, I probably would just block him because I think it, my sanity was probably more important than the per, divorce proceedings. However, he also didn't really fight in the divorce, though, so, and I didn't know that at the time, so I had to keep it for evidence. But knowing now that he was just going to let it go through, like he you know, I would have blocked him because I, that was, that was just so, it was just too much. Like it was so traumatizing.
0: Right. Um, And at that point he hasn't earned the right to continue communicating
1: with you. Right. Exactly. And you know, there's only so much that you should have to put up with. And it takes a lot to not respond and not want to defend yourself and not, not be like, stop contacting my family, stop contacting my friends. Like, You just have to let it go because when somebody is, I'm assuming he has some level of narcissism, you you know, feeding into that is just any way, like good, bad, otherwise, he'll just continue. The only way to really stop it is that gray rock method where you're, you're just like blank and have no emotion. That's it. You know, it was very obvious when I would respond because that would just immediately he would just start in all over again. And sometimes you almost have to when you have kids, like, because he would ask something about the kids or, and so then you have to respond. And as soon as I responded to anything, it was just like, bam, 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 hit after hit.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that I probably need to do a little more research and, get expert an expert on the podcast, which is how to communicate in a co-parenting scenario where the other person is quite toxic because you're yeah. right it just it ignites something more than just the bare minimum. There's always something behind it and whether you have kids or you don't, I worked with I worked with a client for quite some time and it was like no matter what she did no response or several responses. There was always just this toxicity thrown back, mm. this gaslighting that just would continue to fuel, 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 fuel the fire no matter what. And I think it's yeah. really important that that we give folks the strategies and tools and tips on how to actually effectively, to the best of your ability, navigate those tough conversations. So in the beginning of Or even in the middle, in any part of this divorce scenario, what kind of things was your brain telling you at first? What kinds of thoughts would run through your mind?
1: Yeah. I mean, mostly guilt, right? And blaming myself. Yes. I should be able to make this work. I said, for better or worse, we have two children together. I come from a divorce family. I don't want this for my children. It was a lot of self-blame a lot and i i think that's why i moved back the first year because i wanted so badly to make it work even though i knew it wasn't going to change because he had had a year to make changes and he made very small ones but not anything that was going to make things better like he hadn't gotten a job at that time and he was still texting me and emailing all the time. So it was just a lot of self blame, a lot of feeling bad for my children. I was seeing a therapist at the time. And I was just like, you know, I graduated uh, college with a psychology degree. So, you know, I know the pitfalls of growing up in a, like a single parent home and a divorced home, how it's like disadvantageous, even just having divorced parents. And so I worried about them. And, you know, my therapist was like, all you need is one good parent. You just need Uh one good parent. And so, you know, that helps a little, but I I still felt guilty. I felt bad for them. My youngest was two at the time. She Mm. was totally fine. My oldest was four. And every time I left to go to work, she would freak out thinking that I wasn't going to come back again because that's kind of what happened. So guilt, um, I definitely was very depressed. I, yeah. If it hadn't been for my children, I don't know that I would have like killed myself, but I definitely had suicidal thoughts. Yeah. It wasn't going to happen because I was the only thing they had left, but it crossed my mind for sure. Did you
0: know that you were depressed? Like when do you, because I recognize there, I was in denial with Feeling depression, I was like, I'm not a depressed person. I depressed people look <laughs> like this, right? Yeah. But the further I got into it, the more I realized, oh my gosh, depression for me looks like this, and this is happening over and over and over every day. Is starting to look like this and feel like this, and this is not me. Do you remember that?
1: Uh, I do. Heading? Yeah, it was the same way, and I really like kind of kept going through the motions because I had to, like, I had two small children. Yeah. So I didn't have time. I've been depressed at other points in my life, for sure. But, you know, at those times, I was like a young, by myself, had no one to worry about except for myself. And I could just crawl into bed and sleep. And Yes, or yes. You know, or just watch TV all day and all night. Like, you know, it was different. This time, I was still getting up. I was still going to work. I was still you know, doing my mom things, but it was very, I was very disconnected. Mm -hmm. I was just, I, I know at that time I was not a good mother in the way that I should have been because I, I just, you know, it was so hard for me to deal with their emotions because I was just shut down inside. Like I, I had just shut down.
0: You kind of go to survival mode. For me, I went from like, survival mode to just pure survival mode. Like I just know that I am by myself now and I need to keep making money. If I want to keep living on this beach property, I need to go to work. (laughs) And when I get home from work, I can order the pizza and I can get the wine and I can numb out And I can sleep as long as possible. And I can wake up and I can cry in the shower again and cry all the way to work and then wipe my tears and then do it all over again. again? And then I can hide on the weekends and just pretend like nothing's happening. And eventually pray to God that I will just wake up one of these days and I'll stop (laughs) feeling like this. I convinced myself that it was just going to be like that. I just had to wait long enough to get out of this depression and what I call the divorce ditch. And one day I'll wake up and it will all be different. I just, yeah. I, I just convinced myself that I think it's also what you said about guilt and blame and the should have, could have, would have, all that stuff. Like that space is for me, what I believe is like, then we've chosen to believe that I have to make this work. I'm responsible. Yeah. There's something that I can do, which in reality, if there was something that you could do or make work, it would have already happened. It would have happened. Right. It's, and so we just have to be so aware of the fact that we can't keep trying to make something happen just because Quote unquote, we're not supposed to get divorced. I'm sure yeah. you and I didn't get into marital vows right. thinking, you know, if things don't work out, <laughs> I can just get a divorce. Like the exactly. last thing that I wanted was to get a divorce. And there's right. so much shame and blame just around the word divorce, around telling people you love, about feeling like you're a failure, just so many things. Like mm-hmm. now, when you were in the early stages of, of divorce, what do you wish that you would have? known how to like, what, what do you wish you had a little more line of sight into? Cause I know I woke up like, I don't know what to do first, next or anything. Like, what do you wish that you would have known how to?
1: That's a good question. And I'm, I don't really know. I mean, for me, I guess it would have been like how to keep parenting through this. Like, I think I would ask family or somebody to like hang out with the girls for like a weekend so that I could literally crawl into bed and cry like I I couldn't do that at home with them even when they went to bed like I could do it a little but like not to the extent that I like, felt like I needed to if that makes sense yeah but I'm a big crier and so I feel like I it would have been a release I there are a lot of things I wish I would have known, honestly. Like, I wish I would have known how the court system worked through this. That's a huge one because he would just not show up. And so then it would just get delayed. And it would just get delayed. It would just get delayed. Like, it took us over a year to get divorced just because mm. it wouldn't show up. Now, he mm. didn't fight over anything. And I wasn't going to fight over anything. I was going to let him have whatever he wanted except for the kids. Because I didn't, you know, at that point, I'm like, you can take anything you want give me my children and be gone. Like, I can't, Mm. I don't want to deal with this anymore. You can have whatever you want, but he didn't really care to have it either, which was fine. So I, you know, and I just didn't, I didn't understand also how the police work. So Ah. one thing that was shocking to me, like just straight shock was at one point, you know, it was the middle of the night. I had to go to work the next morning. He had gotten fired. So he was bumbling around, like making a lot of noise. And I went out and I was like, hey, I have to go to work tomorrow. Can you keep it down? And then we got into a huge fight. And he, that's when he threw the can. And I called the cops because I was afraid. Like, I was like, what is he going to do to me? And they came and the one cop like took him and was talking to him. Another cop took me and literally blamed me for it he said you know oh he just got fired don't you understand how he feels and I looked at the cop and I was like okay but we still have bills to pay and I have a job I need to go to tomorrow so I don't think it was asking a lot like I wasn't looking for a fight I was just asking him to be quiet and yeah. he blames me and then at another time I was over there like moving some of my stuff out this was the last time I was ever alone with And he was berating me and yelling at me and calling me names. And I started recording him and he grabbed my phone and I went to grab it back and he grabbed me by my hair and pulled me up the stairs and our windows were open. Thank God. It was like nice out. And I started screaming and that is the only reason he let go. And then he threw my phone at me. So I ran out of the house. I called the police. I called my mom. She came over because I still needed to get my stuff. So the police showed up and he had taken, because I had a box of things, you know, and some of them were pictures. He had taken the picture frames in the box, broken them and cut himself with the glass and told the cops that I did it, that I cut them. And so the cops looked at me and they were very nice this time, but they were like, here's the thing. Like either you both go to jail or nobody goes to jail. And I was just like, this is crazy. You're telling me I ran out of the house. Like, when would I have cut? I'm the one that screamed. Like, and that's how it is. And that is like, it's it's horrifying. Like they cannot do anything until it's done. Mm. Like I was, I literally looked at them and I was like, does he have to kill me in order for you guys to be able to do anything? And the answer is pretty much yes. Wow. Well, he has to attempt. He has to either really threat, like hurt me or he has to hurt himself. And that was the only way they were going to take him
0: anywhere. Unbelievable. I mean, the takeaways uh, from that experience for me are when you feel like you need to create physical distance, you need to create physical distance. Honor the gut instincts. When anything starts to happen like that, it's no longer is it an option to stay in the same place. and do no. life in that way because no. if there is no no one that you can even call in in your i mean example for safety, including yeah. the law, then it's like we have to find ways to remove ourselves from the situation and stay as far away as possible for yeah. until it's complete. And to your point about the court system, just there are failed pieces of our court system. There yeah. just are. And I know that our legal system I'm going to assume has tried to do their best to put things in place, but it doesn't take care of all of these instances that no divorce should take five years, 10 years should take, even take a year. It shouldn't even take a year. You know, uh, if you don't show up, in my opinion, you don't show up to the court on your court date. Then to me, that's sending a message. That's sending a signal that is like, you've made your choice. If you are not willing to show up for these things, it shouldn't be the other person gets punished by delaying this any longer. It's so frustrating. It so frustrating true. in that way. I really love what you said about um, the ask because I think one of the the things that gets overlooked in divorce is our loved ones don't necessarily know number one what to say or number yeah. two, what to do. And I love the hindsight in perhaps being able to make the ask to your loved ones, to just give you a little bit of alone time for pain processing. This is huge, you guys. For everyone listening, this is major because when we get these pent-up emotions, it makes it even more difficult to show up as a parent, to show up Mm -hmm. to our jobs, to show up for ourselves to make decisions through the divorce process when we are highly, highly activated and we're feeling what I call emotionally constipated. It's like, if you never went, if you never moved your bowels, you would feel so twisted. It would be extremely painful inside. And that's what happens to our emotions because we're, we, even if it's to process your anger, because there's a lot of anger as a part of the grieving process to let the kids go away with people that you trust so that you can scream into your pillow, so you can cry and scream in your shower, so you can angry dance or punch or do whatever you need in a way that's not going to project onto anyone else or be absorbed by innocent bystanders in your home, which is what you were trying to protect your kids from, which is bottling it all up, which is making it harder to mom, which is making it harder to navigate and handle tough situations with your ex all those things. So I think it's really important that our listeners know that piece of advice from you, which is maybe ask for time outs, even if it's going to be an hour so that when those kids do come back, you may feel exhausted, but you're going to have a heck of a lot more space in your emotional being and your emotional landscape to be available for their needs. Because it sounds like you were doing a lot of caring for their needs at the time. And that's exhausting, right? When Mm -hmm. you're just trying to survive yourself, dig yourself out of the depression ditch but then also make sure that the kids aren't absorbing any of that toxic energy that's going back and forth.
1: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: What kind of resources would have been helpful to connect with or have support from in hindsight? In hindsight. Oh, in, hindsight. <laughs> in
1: hindsight, definitely other people, other women going through divorce. So I was I was on the younger end, I feel like. I was yeah. 28, 29. Yep. And all of my friends were just getting married. Yeah. Now, I had my mom and my stepmom, but that's, a, you know, that's a different generation. And, like, you know, they they talked to me as best that they could, as they could. Sure. And my step, you know, much more helpful. My mom was actually great during this time because she's good in a crisis, probably because that was kind of how she grew up. But to have like deep conversations with her isn't a thing. With my stepmom, I could totally do that, but it would have been nice to have somebody my age or somebody that had you know, children my age, or somebody, like I said, at the beginning, like you, that I could talk to. And because my friends were wonderful, they were amazing, but they had no idea what I was going through, like no clue. And they did their very best. But and then you also feel guilty for every time I call them, I'm having some kind of mental breakdown. And, you know, that's not I couldn't be a good friend to them because I had too much going on, and it was just me needing, 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 and I felt bad. Yeah. So it would have been nice to have somebody else to commiserate with, yeah. To like maybe go out with and like just you know hang out and talk, and I could listen to them and they could listen to me, and we could just understand each other. That would have been amazing.
0: That understanding piece is huge. The relatability is huge. It's somebody who gets it without necessarily saying it all, right? When you're in the same scenario, I think this happens a lot with moms after they have their first baby where they're like, oh, where are all the other new moms? Because uh, this is a whole experience and there's just so much release and relief that happens. When you can go into a new mom circle and I'm, I've never been a mom, I just know from my mom friends that it's like, oh my gosh, oh, you get it, you get it, you get it. Same thing yeah. like if you're going through a weight loss journey and you find other yeah. people who are going through weight loss and the struggles of that and this and that, that relatability without being able to say much, but it tells everything and you're like, someone understands yeah. this exactly. part of me. And it doesn't, <laughs> it's just, it's the whole reason why I've created the Comeback community and the women that journey and joyfully divorce, because it literally is everything. It's like, it doesn't have to be. And and oftentimes I'm going to go as far as to say, it can't be your best friend. It can't be your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your aunt, your nephew. It can't be your church divorce support group is really unique when you can just find people Mm -hmm. right where you're at. So maybe your divorce support group through church. I I know women who have done that path, but it's a different experience than joining a group of empowered women who, who want empowerment and want to focus on the next level life. Right. For me, I was so hesitant to join any Facebook community or support group because I didn't want to go down, 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 down to the, like the. All that stuff. I wanted to go up, 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 up. Who do I want to be? And how do I get back to her? How do Mm -hmm. I find her? Not like pulling it back to like, woe is me, victim mentality, victim consciousness, all this kind of stuff. Just like, how do I create the version of Heidi that is going to pull myself up and out of this and onward? That's the person that I want to meet. And those are the kind of women that I want to meet who are like, our pain is real. It is present. It is here. And we're going to feel through it, navigate mm-hmm. through it in a healthy way and find our find our new normal again. That was yeah. really, really important to me.
1: So that would have been amazing to have. Oh
0: amazing. my gosh. Oh my yeah. gosh. What, what are some of the things that your friends and family would say to you or maybe even ask you?
1: Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, they were just all very good listeners. Um, I mean, they would tell me, you know, the things he was doing was they were insane. They couldn't believe it either that they believed me that they did not, you know, because that's the other thing is you start to think like he's telling all these people, these things and like, who is believing it? Like, yeah, you just start to wonder. And also your trust in people um, definitely takes a nosedive. When somebody you love so much starts doing things like this, you're just like, I don't know anyone. I know no one. I clearly Am a bad judge of character, and I don't know who anyone is. And Mm -hmm. I felt that way for a while. But they, you know, they would just ask me if there's anything they could do. Which most of the time, the answer for me was, "No, I'm okay." Yeah, bawling my eyes out for the fourth time that day. (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) They were. I mean, I am very lucky. Like I may not be good at picking men, but I'm very good at picking my friends. So (laughs) I Mm -hmm. have a great friend system set up. And they did the best they could just by listening to me.
0: That's so beautiful. I think one of the most important things uh, that we can ask ourselves in regards to the help thing, anyone listening that's going through this right now that constantly has people saying, how can I be there for you? How can I support you? And, And our answer is so often, nothing, you know, I'm okay, I'm figuring it out is Actually, to sit down and ask yourself the question, "What do I need most right now?" Yeah, and if you ask yourself that on a consistent basis, what do I need most right now? okay? i need I need uh, whatever that looks like for you, then start to assign names to those things and yeah. tell your friends, like, you know what, i I just I am feeling really unsafe. I just need a little bit of safety right now. And even if you can't articulate what safety is, or you can't maybe you need fun, I just yeah. need, a little, I just need a little fun right now. I'm so tired of crying. I hear that from yeah. so many women. I'm so tired of crying. I don't
1: think about this anymore. Right.
0: right I, I need you to take right. me out on a friend date, or maybe yeah. I need you to sit here and just let me cry. I need you to hold me. Yeah. I need you to sit and watch a video of, uh, Show with me that's going to make me cry, and I need you just to put the blanket over me and let me know that you're sitting right next to me on the couch. Um, I had a dear friend of mine; um, he was actually a neighbor of mine, and he probably doesn't know this. Maybe he'll listen to my podcast one day and and know that he (laughs) did this. I should just reach out and tell him. But our walls were paper thin at my old apartment complex, and he would hear me sobbing through the walls. And I didn't know; I just thought nobody can hear me. I'm doing this private, right? And he came over one day and said, "Heidi." I can hear you crying. I think you should come over. My brother and his girlfriend are coming over. We're going to watch Lord of the Rings on the couch and you can just sit here and you can cry as much as you want. We're going to make you some tea. We're going to put a blanket on you. And I think you just, if you're going to cry, come be with us. And it was one of the kindest things that anyone who, he was kind of still a stranger at that point. He was just a neighbor. I had just moved in because I had just gotten divorced and gotten my own space. And to have somebody come over and just make me a cup of tea, put the blanket over me and say, we're all here, but we're not gonna pay attention. Like, you don't have to say a thing. It it (laughs) paused my hyperventilating, sobbing, crying. It really did because I felt like other people were just with me and they weren't asking me questions, but they were just with me and they knew I was sad and I wasn't alone and it was okay to be sad because we were all just going to watch a movie. So whether you're listening to this and you are divorced or you know someone who is, like, just know that sometimes the subtle act of acknowledging someone is going through something but not needing to know anything, just being with them, it can be a really, really special space for others. So what are some of the things that you feel like you've gained Through divorce, or that it's revealed to you or taught you or shown you now that you've kind of then gotten to the other side of the tracks.
1: (laughs) What have I gained from divorce? Literally everything. Everything. My whole life that it Mm. is now is what it is because I got divorced. I am in a different career. I have a life that I've built with my partner for seven years now. Like he and I have been together for a long time. My peace of mind. Like I have very little tolerance now for unnecessary drama, and I don't. I will not deal. With it. I won't put up with it. I just am like, nope, not it. And I leave the situation. I can't. I, I just can't do it anymore. I'm too tired, right? Like it's yes. too much. And my children, they're a peace of mind. I mean, he. You know, it has been very bumpy with it. Like after the divorce, it got worse with them which is a story for another day, but like basically he is not in our lives at all. And it, as hard as it is, because I feel bad that my children don't have a father, they are a million times better off. And they will tell you that themselves. Like they wow. know if they're old enough now that they know. And Chris, my partner is, he is just wonderful to them. He really is. And so I feel very lucky. The divorce was terrible but I wouldn't be where I am if I hadn't.
0: Been. I love this so much cuz sometimes it, when you're in it it feels so far away and both you and I have have found ourselves mm-hmm. found the found our partners redefined what life looks like what brings us joy what brings us happiness. A question I get a lot is how do you learn how to trust again?
1: Yeah. That's a good question and I think that just came to me over a little time. I, you know, like I was telling you earlier, I didn't trust any. Like after that, I was like, I literally know no one and anyone could hurt me in any way. I did like still, you know, I still believed in my sister. I still believed in my very best friends. But anyone new coming in, I was very weary for a long time. And then one day, I just sat there with myself and I was like, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to believe that people are horrible inside and they're just waiting to hurt you. I want to believe that most people are good, want to do good, and that they will do their best not to hurt you. And after that, it was just, I went back to how I always been. Just, I just trust everyone until you show me you, you're you not trustworthy. Uh,
0: Jen, I could just mic drop it right there. Seriously, that is... Yeah. Because something you just said is so big, and I wish that I could translate that feeling that you had that day that the light switch just went back on of, hold on a second. No, I'm going to choose to trust other people. I'm just going to choose that. And I'm going to choose what I believe about trust. And I'm going to choose that I can trust myself again. I feel this way about so many concepts that I teach the divorced woman through divorce, which is like, I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose to not fight this, fight my ex. I'm going to choose to believe in myself. I'm going to choose the version of me that's a badass, confident, loving, kind person. I'm going to choose that. And it really, truly is. And I know it's hard for a lot of people to believe, but when you flip the switch and you choose it with relentless spirit and willingness, your life will drastically change no matter what this is, even if you're not divorced the power of choice in every aspect of our life is one of the most powerful qualities that you can ever gift yourself.
1: 100%. So
0: love that you just said, how do I trust again? Cause I get that question all the time. I just chose. I chose one day. I'm doing yeah. this. I'm doing it different. I'm taking it back. I'm reclaiming it for me. I'm choosing yeah. trust for myself and trust for others. And that's how I'm going to go about it. That is. So stinking epic. I love it so much. What is one thing that you would tell your newly divorced self now since healing? Maybe something that's, uh, yeah, what, what's one thing you would maybe tell yourself now that you didn't know that?
1: I think I would just tell myself to be gentle with mm. myself. Yes. To, you know, I'm, you can be so empathetic to other people. And then when it comes to you, we're always the harshest with ourselves, right? Yeah. And I think I would, I would just tell myself, Hey, you did the best you could. Take it easy. Like you, it's, it's not all of your fault. It takes two people. You try. It didn't work. It's okay. Yeah. You're, it happens. Don't think the worst of yourself because of it. Because I did for a long yeah. time.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that gentleness is so important. I tell people a lot of time, grace equals space. And space yeah. is the greatest gift we can give ourselves. So if anybody's being hard on themselves, give yourself a little bit of grace. Because with all that grace, you will create a lot of space within your system. And that space is exactly what you need to make room for the things that you desire, without that space, we're just all—it's just all got a lot inside, and there's no <laughs> room for any of the goodies, right? It's
1: true. That's true. And this isn't forever. This isn't the end, like your life. This isn't the end at all. It might be yeah. the end of a chapter, but it's not the end. Yeah, I would tell myself that.
0: Oh, that's so good. That's so good. What's um one thing that might help someone start creating their comeback today?
1: Honestly. I think what helps me more than anything is therapy. I'm a high believer in therapy. If you can afford it, I know it's expensive, but I, you know, I had some PTSD and we did um, something called EMDR, which is yeah. to treat PS- PTSD. And it not only helps with the divorce, but it helps me in general. I am so much less reactive than I used to be because the triggers don't have this emotional response in me any more than they used to. Um, And so like, I never did therapy before this, but I highly recommend, even if you're feeling okay, just go.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I love, 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 love that so much. There's that's so, 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 so good. So You have really gifted us so many golden nuggets today. I'm so grateful for your vulnerability, for your shares. We could have talked for four more hours. We could have. Given people so many golden nuggets, I know we're going to have to have you back on the show to talk also just about things like financial freedom and the, the job that you do. You've shared your personal experience yeah, and we'll have to have you back and talk about prof- your professional experience and how um, that financial freedom has just created the life that you love now and giving gifting that to other people all everywhere. So how can our listeners get more of you in their life?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually pretty private on social media, just because I don't want my ex to see anything I'm up to. But if you, you know, if anyone like wants to reach out and like, feels like maybe I could be a good listener or help them through or you're going through something similar, you can find me on Instagram at jayj211. Just DM me and I'll let you in and then also we have like a public one so uh Bluestone Wealth Partners is on instagram you can also find me at jennifer jenkins on linkedin if you want a professional touch. perfect perfect that's perfect
0: and we'll have everything in the show notes i always yeah. ask our our guests two closing questions they're really simple but okay. the first one is what's one thing that you love about you
1: Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> this is always fun. I am very, i so we were talking about choosing to trust. I figured out that I'm actually a very optimistic person. I always thought I I never thought I was pessimistic, but cynical for sure. But I'm actually fairly optimistic. So I think one of my best qualities is that I am open to anyone until you prove me otherwise. So mm. I like that.
0: I feel that every time I'm with you, you know, you just have a really really kind heart and you and I feel the openness when I'm in your presence, so I couldn't agree more with you. And then the last closing question is, what does joy feel like in your life, in your body?
1: Uh, joy just feels like a calm. I just, I love like peace and calm. After all that like trauma, joy to me is just quiet. like I am happy To just be home with my dog, my kids are happy. I'm happy. That's it. That's all. That's all I want.
0: Ah, you're not the first one to say that peace part. It really, (laughs) truly is. It really, really, truly is a gift. Then that we create through through for ourselves. So, thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate you so so very much.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. I've never done a podcast before, so. Yay! This Yay! I mean, I love talking to you. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate what you do for women because I just wish I was going through it now just so I could sign up with you, honestly. Like, it was so bad back then, and I would kill to have somebody like you. So, uh, what is amazing? I'm here for it all the way.
0: Thank you so, so much. I receive all of that. And I I just appreciate and love you so, so very much. And to all of you listening, just remember that you are safe and you are loved and you are enough. Go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would take a quick screenshot and share it now, or leave a five-star review. So this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting. Drop me a DM at your divorce planner, or go to your divorceplannerhub.com to start coordinating your comeback today. You can even schedule a free connection call to dive into your desires and understand how partnering with your divorce planner will be a game changer changer for your next chapter. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember you are loved. You are worthy. You are enough. Take care.